The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're heard in over 60 countries around the world. We're proud to be the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. I really appreciate your comments and your emails and your suggestions, so please keep sending them. They're very helpful when putting the show together. This show is primarily about entrepreneurs, providing you with information that can assist you to become more successful. It's bloody tough out there to be successful, so by listening to this program and listening to what my guests have to say, you can avoid making mistakes that others before you have already made. Almost the first step that entrepreneurs take after they create their product is to hit up all their family and friends for as much money as possible. (laughs) And it's hard. The next step is to look for an angel investor to top up that money to give you what you believe is sufficient to launch the product. And it's, my experience, never ever enough. But I'm always surprised at just how little most entrepreneurs know about how angel investors work. What is it that makes angel investors interested in you? And what makes them decide to give you, somebody they hardly even know, a bunch of their hard-earned money? So I thought it might be interesting to discuss seven common myths about angel investing. Now, there's a new book by Scott Shane, Scott Shane called Fool's Gold about the myths of angel investment. That book makes for very interesting reading. Now, myth number one is that angel investors are like VCs. They just invest less. Well, actually, that isn't true. Angel investors are far more varied in their investment than venture capitalists. And while VCs tend to focus almost exclusively on high growth industries like technology, angels will invest in anything from the local dry cleaners to a restaurant. They also tend to stick with industries they're familiar with. They're also far more hands-off than VCs. VCs tend to get involved in your business where angels spend less than an hour a week with the companies that they invest in. Surprisingly, only 5% of entrepreneurs who get angel funds go on to get VC funding. And I would have thought that number was a lot higher, but that's a number, 5%. Myth number two is that most angel investing is done by organized groups, you know, like an angel group. Now, groups only account for one investment in every 50 of all angel investment dollars. The other um, 49 out of every 50 is from single individuals. 
The third myth about angel investors is that they're wealthy and savvy investors. <laughs> Not true. Only 21% of angels meet the SEC's requirement for being an accredited investor. As you probably know, an accredited investor is an individual making 250 grand a year or a couple making 350 grand a year or someone with assets of more than a million dollars. So only 21% of angels meet that criteria. So you meet, you're dealing with a bit better than average Joes. What's more, over 90% of angels don't make any money on their investments. Only 2% of businesses that they invest in actually become IPOs. And uh, the most extraordinary fact is that 85% of angels don't do any research on the sectors of the businesses they invest in. So, you know, the, the fact that they don't do any research in their investments is almost unbelievable. However, it makes it easier for we guys that are out there trying to raise angel dollars. The fourth myth about angel investors is that they frequently invest 50 to 100 grand in a business. Some people, I spoke to some people and they thought that angels would invest up to a million dollars. Well, the average angel investment is only 10 grand. So if you're after a million, you've got to get a hundred of them. You've got to get a hundred investors, pull yourself up to a million. The fifth myth is about myth. It's hard to say myth. And the fifth myth <laughs> about angel investors is that they usually invest in businesses of people they barely knew beforehand. Of all business investments in startups, 92% are made by friends and family. Only 8% of investors are made by an angel who isn't one of these. So start with your friends and family. That's obviously the way to go. Myth number six is that angels are looking for ideas. Well, that simply isn't true because ideas are a dime a dozen. You walk down the street, you talk to 100 people, 100 of them have got an idea. What angels are looking for is ideas back with teams that have traction and are already showing they can execute. Myth number seven is that they're wanting to own a share of a long-term healthy business. They don't. Most angels want to get out after a couple of years at the most, and then they want to sell it for 10, 20, or 50 times what it cost them. Owning a piece of business does nothing for them if they can't get out fairly soon. So there's some of the surprising facts about angel investors. So let's look at the other side of the coin. What is the viewpoint of angel investors themselves? So here's a summary of what a number of angel investors had to say in a recent interview. So this is what angel investors say will make them sit up and take notice of your pitch and give you money. Firstly, investors look for factors that reduce the innate risks in startups. They lose Eight out of 10 startups, they lose money. So they're already prepared to lose money. So they want to minimize that risk as much as possible. So if you've had experience with a previous startup, even one that's failed, that's really important because what's involved in startups, it, it's really hard to train for. I mean, startups are a different breed altogether and they're bloody hard to deal with. So once they try to mitigate their 
chance of loss. They look for the personal factors that increase the likelihood of success and decrease the risk. A friend of mine, Tim Draper, who's, as you probably know, a major, major, major venture capitalist, says that he invests in people, somebody who's enthusiastic, somebody who knows their stuff, somebody who will run through a brick wall to, to prove that their um, um, product is great and will do everything they possibly can to make it work. That's more important than, to Tim than anything else. Um, you know, the, the personal factors that can increase the likelihood of success and decrease the risk and domain experience, um, functional expertise, education, your ability to listen, your ability to learn, flexibility, being able to pivot, and, uh, and your leadership because you're going to have to lead a team of people and leadership's not easy. Most people aren't born to lead. I think I read somewhere that only one in 20 people, something like that, are born to lead. So entrepreneurs who can build teams and lead them and get everybody motivated and everybody on the same page are much more desirable than the do-it-yourself enthusiasts. You know, too many entrepreneurs want to do the whole bloody thing themselves and they come crashing down in a huge heap because it's just not possible to focus on your product and getting it into the market and then try to run a business as well and control the finances and control the people and, and worry about when the receptionist doesn't turn up and all the rest of the things that happen in business. And the first thing angels look for in a proposal is the product market fit. How does your product fit into this market? And uh, they evaluate that more by the story than the numbers. Harvard Business School says, you know, business plans that are full of numbers uh, early stage business plans that are full of numbers are just an absolute waste of time because nobody can predict it. It's all a guess. And so, therefore, you might as well not have it in. So, angel investors are not so impressed by the numbers as they are by the story. And by the story, I mean, you know, the, the story of the market need, um, the problems that you're going to solve in the market. And where does this need exist? How are you going to get out there and tackle that need? What's your marketing strategy to go out and grab the um, segments of that market that are important to you? Angels want to understand very quickly how big the market is. And it's got to be big in order for them to get a return on investment. You know, if it's a far-ass little market, then it's too hard. They've got to, too much penetration is required to make any money. So your business has got to be able to grow very fast, scale up and hold off competition, and ultimately experience shows that nine out of ten investments are going to fail, so they want everyone they look at to be the next Google. You know, they want their next investment to be the big one that compensates them for the nine they've just lost money in. So on, on that side of the, of the ledger, um, it needs to be a great opportunity. Angel's evaluation of the business plan, it's not about how great the document looks or all the coloured pictures and, you know, how beautiful it is and the graphic design. They're not interested in any of that. They're worried about the contents. They want to see from the plan that the startup team has experience in building a business, that um, they know the key steps and the milestones and that they understand the relationship between the milestones and the budgets and forecasts and the strategy 
the tactics, and they want to know that your team is experienced enough to be able to do that. So a great plan is one that shows knowledge of the industry in the team's experience. You know, you've got plenty of experience in the area that you're talking about and not necessarily explaining everything in the text. You know, you don't have to go in under unbelievable detail. They don't, they don't want to know the minutiae. They just want to know the general broad plan and how you're going to tackle it. Business plan's got to have a really believable strategy. Needs tactics to execute that strategy. Needs concrete specifics like milestones and metrics. And the essential numbers that make sense, but only the essential numbers. Angels usually only read the business plan in detail after they're interested in the product. So it's part of the due diligence process after they've already said, okay, I like this product. This is a great product. So now I'll look at the business plan to make sure that these guys know what the hell they're talking about. So the business plan doesn't have to make the first impression. It comes much later in the process and it's simply a due diligence tool. The majority of startups... Um, will attract angels only if they have a business plan. If you don't have a business plan, you are not going to get an investor. So you need a really good business plan. And that eliminates a a, a whole bunch of projects. Just, you know, they'll, they'll have a look just at the summary, the first page summary and decide whether or not they're interested in going further. And, uh, or with a pitch, if you sit down and you pitch them, and you're not impressive, and you're not enthusiastic, and you don't know what you're talking about, no matter how good your bloody business plan is, they will not invest in you. Finally, you've got to keep the plan lean. Don't show off. Don't make it a 78-page business plan. They are not interested. So they'll evaluate your knowledge of the market or the science based on your track record. So that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people that really know their stuff in that field, not friends that you've picked up along the way. And they, they want to look at your job history. Now, angels generally skim through and look for the specifics that interest them, and every investor's got a different hot button. So it's hard to plan it out beforehand, depending on who you're pitching it to. Remember, there's no such thing as a great summary or a great plan if your management team's lacking. Summaries and plans are great based on content, and the content begins with the credibility of the team that you're going to put in there to execute it. Lack of a highly credible team, experience in the project area being proposed, going to stop interest in the project dead cold. So putting a value on investment, that's always difficult. So it's important to understand what type of growth potential angels investors are looking for. Now, because over 90% of them fail, it's a hit and miss business. So the hits pay for the losers. Every investor, every investment has to look like it's great. So what's the most important thing an entrepreneur can do to get um, the angels' attention? 
a couple of the best ways of setting up a GUST profile, G-U-S-T, or listing on Angel List. Network, networking at Angels at some event or another is never going to work. And email proposals are drowned out with just so many emails. The best advice is to get cracking. Get going. Don't wait for funding. Do something like Kickstarter. Get early clients or letters of intent. The validation is sales. So I was really surprised to learn that uh, 68 million Americans travel overseas each year and 13 million of these tourists are either injured or get so ill on the trip that they need to seek medical attention. That's 13 million American tourists get sick or injured. So just imagine you're in Peru, you're not feeling well, you don't speak Spanish, you don't know how to find a doctor or a hospital, but you know you need urgent help. So what do you do? Well, my next guest, David Beelings, the CEO of Apogee.care, A-P-O-G-E.care, and this is a an organization that will get you, will give you advice 24-7, 365, and if you're in a country that where English isn't the first language, they will get a translator for you to make sure that you get the right treatment for the right injury or illness straight away. So Apogee is currently looking for currently looking for investors. So if you'd like to get involved with this great opportunity, just drop me an email at bob at bobpritchard.com and I'll put you in touch. So the CEO of Apogee Care, David Beeling, is my guest. In a few short minutes, I'm Bob Pritchard and Voice America Business Channel, and I'll be back with David in just a second. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. And we're broadcast worldwide every week. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk to extraordinary people. People that are successful people that are making a difference to the world, entrepreneurs. Now, entrepreneurs are the backbone of economies throughout the world, and the primary focus of this show is to assist all entrepreneurs, no matter where they are or what they're doing, to be more successful and to bring you stories of people who have overcome odds to be successful. To be an entrepreneur, you don't have to come up with the latest 
whiz-bang app. You could be opening a dry cleaning store. It's about getting off your ass and going out there and doing it. And one of the keys to being a successful entrepreneur is to be able to recognize a market niche and then develop a product that addresses it. Now, Dr. David Belling is the CEO and founder of Apogee Care, the world's first telemed healthcare provider for American citizens that are traveling abroad. Now, David trained at Kaiser Los Angeles, class of 2009 in OBGYN. He's a graduate of the John A. Burns School of Medicine and the University of Hawaii. And if that isn't enough, David's also a lawyer. <laughs> so <laughs> Sorry he's about that. pretty smart. Now, Apogee's one hell of a good idea. Um, I saw it a few weeks ago, and uh, I... When I, when I first thought, saw it, I thought it was a good idea. And the more I've looked at it, the more I'm convinced it is a ripper idea. And this is going to be one of the startup success stories of the decade. I've got David on the phone from his home in Hawaii. Hi, David. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Well, thank you very much, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, over 68 million, 68 million Americans travel overseas each year, and of these 68 million, 8.2 million tourists are either injured or get so ill on the trip that they need to seek medical attention either when they're overseas or when they return. They're big numbers, 8.2 million. Now, this is where Apogee fits in. David, can you tell us exactly what Apogee Care is? Well, Apogee Care is... is, uh it was an idea that came to me um, when I was trying to figure out how to help a friend of mine who was going through a really hard time uh, out of the country in Cabo San Lucas and the recent uh, uh, hurricane that swept mm-hmm. through there last year. Yep. Um, what we do is we provide an immediate, within 15 minutes, medical consultation for all American travelers abroad. Um, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, with an, uh, an American-trained, board-certified, English-speaking physician. That's in a nutshell. That's what we do. Okay, now, so anywhere that there's Wi-Fi or cell phone service, that our our patients can utilize the service. So, you did you just sort of wake up one morning at two o'clock and have an aha moment and go, aha! What a brilliant well, idea! I'll start uh, this. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, well, I'll tell you my exact thought process. Uh, I've got a good friend, um, and he, like I said, he was in Cabo San Lucas when the hurricane came through, and basically, the, you know, the the whole um, resort infrastructure shut down. Folks didn't show up for work. Uh, they were alone out there. Uh, the government was not helping people. In fact, they were robbing people on the buses. And, you know, he found himself uh, alone with his wife and four little girls that they kind of rounded up. When I say little, I mean girls out there in spring break Mm -hmm. and a pocket full of dollars. And those were his only resources and his cell phone, of course. And so he got them. He rescued them, got them out of the country. But it was quite a harrowing adventure. I'll tell you, the bus actually got pulled over by the by the federales who robbed them. Sure. Um, And, uh, you know, I was sitting there and I was thinking, gosh, you know, what what? 
what a world. What, what could I have done to help my friend? And at the same time, I was taking uh, online Portuguese lessons because my wife is Brazilian and I have a new daughter that I'm learning the language for. And uh, I sit down, uh, you know, in the middle of my week, uh, I've got 30 minutes of complete immersion with a guy who's uh, just an hour and a half out of Sao Paulo. And it's just like flying to Brazil instantaneously. Um, and then I just kind of thought, I go, you know, I could help Artie. The, the technical uh, IT infrastructure has developed to a point where we can have streaming video just about in all terrestrial locations. Um, and I could have provided medical assistance to him if he needed it for whatever reason. If he, you know, if, if he got caught, if he was suffering, you know, uh, infectious symptoms, if, if whatever if there could have been. I, we could have been face-to-face, and I could have talked to him right through his cell phone. And that's when I decided to create Apogee. Okay, so let's just, let me just get this clear in my head. So I'm in Peru. I'm not feeling well. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know how to find a doctor or a hospital, but I do know that I need medical help. So what do I do? Do I, is there an app on my phone I just tap that automatically opens up a Skype line with Apogee in the US or how does it, how does it happen? Just, can you well, just walk us through it? For sure. We like to encourage the travelers who are going abroad to, 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 to pre-subscribe to Apogee because they'll have an opportunity to provide all of their healthcare information and give us their primary care, doctor's phone number, um, and fax numbers so we can get their requests, their records, and have them put into the Apogee system. Um, and that way we're able to provide, you know, complete care, just like they're walking into their doctor's office with a complete past medical history. But um, barring that, where they don't, you know, pre-subscribe to Apogee, yes they will be able to log on to our website and click a button that says, I need to talk to a doctor now. They'll get to fill out their past medical history then, um, and then they will be greeted by our, our medical assistant who will do just the same thing that happens to when you walk into your doctor's office. They're going to take your chief complaint, get your recontact information. They're going to get your current geolocation, your address, and then they're going to put you on the phone, well, on the video consult with the physician. And he's going to, he's going to take a complete medical history. He's going to evaluate you from a, a visual perspective. And he will, more than 90% of the time, be able to accurately treat um, the patient, give them advice on what to do, what to look for. And if the patient needs to be sent to uh, immediate local care where they can get interventive care, then we're going to do that because we're going to know the locations uh, nearest to where that patient is. We're also going to have subscription ability. Um, the 70 or 64 to 70 percent of, of Americans who leave the country go to eight countries. And in yeah. those countries, we're going to have a physician who's licensed there um, in, that, in that country, which can also consult on the, the patient consult at the same time that the uh, American physician is. And they will have dialogue between the two doctors, and they will agree on a course of treatment. And if a prescription is necessary, that doctor can prescribe medicine right where the patient is, so there's no delay. So it's predicated on uh, you having a doctor in that country that you... Um um, can immediately get in contact with and liaise with uh, with regard to the patient. Um, so, have you got um, relationships built up with doctors in in other countries? Well, it's uh, not necessarily, uh, Bob. Only for the eight countries where you know the bulk oh, of the Americans travel. Yep. When we yeah, when we need a prescription, and that's less than ten percent of the time that someone's actually going to need a prescription. Most of the time, believe it or not, what doctors do 
is educate. Tell people what to look for, what to do if A, B, or C happens, and what to expect so that they're not so anxious about what's happening. Um, now, also, in the countries where we won't have that immediate support um, with regards to a doctor who's licensed also in the employee of Apogee in a foreign country, we'll have the ability to prescribe medicines from an international pharmacy out of San Francisco and get that FedEx usually within two days. So, I guess... Um one of the most important things about um, about a, a doctor is if, that if you're sick in a foreign country and you can't speak the language, um, I guess that reassurance that you're going to get from an American doctor and the confidence and the, it, it makes you feel better almost immediately, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's an important part of the process. Well, it's true. Um, you know, most of what I do and why I became a doctor in the first place is education to take people's fears away. Um, when you don't know why you're sick, sure. you're, you're, let's say you're, you're concerned. Uh, you know, I don't want to say scared, but at least concerned. Um, now, if you add to that a foreign locale where you might not speak the language, you don't necessarily know how to get around it, you don't have any family or friend support, um, and your anxiety level is going to be significantly increased. If you add on top of that probably the four to $500 American you're going to have to spend to see a physician who may or may not speak English, your anxiety level probably might go right to terror. Um, what we do with Apogee is we eliminate the barriers to access for American travelers in foreign countries. They can do it right from their hotel room instantaneously for a much lower price than they're going to have to pay. As I mentioned before, I think it's an absolutely fantastic idea. Now, Apogee is, will be available to American citizens that are traveling abroad 24-7, 365. So there's no sort of blackout days where if you get sick on that day, it's bad luck. <laughs> no, no, no. We are we're basically instituting a, you know, a hospital or urgent care level service um, via the Internet. So why, why not just use... Um, locally residing foreign physicians when you need medical help. It, it, are you saying that um, um, foreign care in a lot of cases is not as good as American care or is it um, the fact that people feel better being able to um, uh, communicate their ills to somebody that they feel very confident with? No, yeah, I would never want to besmirk the, the quality of, of my colleagues abroad. Um, but there are vast language and cultural barriers uh, to getting care um, between people from different countries. Um, when you're sick and you're a little scared, it is, you don't want a cultural barrier, um, between, even if you speak the same language as, as that physician, when you're trying to relate to them what you're concerned about and what, what you're feeling. Um, it's, it's difficult enough in the same language, in the same culture sometimes to do that. So it's, it's just... Uh, a much easier, better, um, more consistent way for people to get care. So how complicated will it be? I'm, I'm, I'm really not feeling well. I've got my cell phone um, and I, I've, I've got access to Wi-Fi. What do I do? Is it a Skype connection or what, what's, how does that work? 
Well, um, it's it's similar to a Skype connection, except you know, uh, in this country, we're required to comply with the Health Information Protection Act. Right. So it's a it's a scrambled HIPAA compliant website that's completely secure, and you just log on to apogee.care, a p o g e dot c a r e, and our website's right there. You can subscribe uh, via PayPal or the credit card, um, and then you'll be immediately put in touch with our physicians. So you have physicians on call. 24-7-365. I do. Fantastic. I love it. Um, so you've got quite a... I was looking at the management team, and uh, you've got one hell of a management team involved in this project. Um, it's really a um, medical and travel technology project, I guess. So you've got seasoned physicians, people like yourself, but you also have got you've got leaders in the travel industry you've got um, leaders in the IT industry and people who have been successful with startups before so you look like you've really covered your basis well thank you Bob um, you know it's I'll be honest, this is my first startup. You know, as you kind of told people, I kind of spent a lot of time training um, in other areas. Uh, but uh, it's, I don't want to say um, that we're lucky, but we've definitely thought ahead and got the right people in the right spots um, for this and with some very deep connections that are going to help us uh, as we branch out into this market. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's really smart to have people in the travel industry um, because I guess when you're reaching out to, to Americans, um, there are so many organizations through the travel industry that could be a, a huge help in faci- facilitating signups and, and getting people involved. Well, you know, the, the bulk of American travelers use an online travel agency when they travel. Um, and for a lot of reasons, uh, it used to be priced. Now it's really convenient. Um, and, you know, we're able to reach, you know, our hottest market with a partnership um, via the online travel agencies and the airlines and the hotels.com and the meta search engines like Kayak and things like that to really get it out, get the word out to people who are making that decision to travel or not. And um, those are the people who need to have Apogee. Yeah, and I, I guess there's all sorts of organizations like AARP and AAA and, and organizations that have um, huge numbers, you know, 40 and 50 million people that um, do read their publications and, and do, do follow them closely that um, would be um, a really good um, source of, of, of customers for Apogee. Absolutely. You know, this product has uh, many, many applications, as as you kind of pointed out. Um, The largest group of tourists, or I don't want to say tourists, but travelers, business or for pleasure, are folks in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And, you know, so those organizations you listed are are definitely populated by people like that who are considering one or more uh, international trips a year, as well as large corporations. uh, uh, American corporations keep a lot of Americans overseas every year as well. Um, and we're able to reach out and help them improve their, you know, not only improve their their uh, employee uh, happiness, uh, but also improve productivity and decrease their overseas medical expense costs at the same time. Yeah, and that that's a big market too, isn't it? I think there's 6,000 um, American companies that have got people that travel overseas. So that's a that's a, a good-sized market. And you're right, if, if they get ill overseas, firstly, um, they're not happy campers, but secondly, um, the loss of productivity is is could be huge. 
Yeah, they, they've got a huge investment in keeping those people over there. And, you know, we can pretty much stop something from, you know, going from minor to serious with just the right, uh, with a 15-minute call. So, Get them the right medicine, keep them on their feet. So how does it work if, I, if, if, if I'm overseas and, um, and I'm really sick? I need um, hospitalization, for example. Um, how does it work? Do you... You contact the local hospital, or do you find a hospital that's most suitable for them, or how does how does that happen? Well, it can be one of any of those. You know, the first thing that happens when they do log on to our site and subscribe uh, and say they want to talk to the doctor is they're going to be greeted by a medical assistant who will determine the uh, the emergency um, of their their complaint. Right. You know, if if we feel that they need immediate intervention, they will be immediately referred to the nearest hospital or urgent care center that will meet their needs. Now, unfortunately, and a lot of folks don't know this, they may be right next door to a hospital, but it can be the wrong hospital. They may not have any English-speaking physicians. They may not, like France, for instance, has an American hospital, believe it or not, and that's where you need to go if you're an American. If you go someplace else, they're not going to be able to help you. Um, and so those are that we can refer them to those places. Now, worst case scenario, we're talking to someone and they just collapse right on the phone or right on the Wi-Fi in front of us. We can notify EMS directly to get them. We can call their concierge in the hotel that they're in and get them, you know, even faster service to get up to that room and rescue them. Um, we can help in a lot of ways, even if we're not going to be primarily responsible for their care, just from our, our, our database and our information about overseas uh, medical infrastructure. So you would um, you would contact the hospital or the doctor or whatever, tell them what the situation is with the patient, so that um, when the patient gets there, everybody's already briefed and and knows what to do. Absolutely, absolutely, David. That's pretty cool. I I love this. I think it's great, and it's something that's needed. I mean, I've I travel a hell of a lot, and I've I've fallen ill overseas before, and it's it's really scary because you really don't know where to go. You don't know one good hospital. If you're sitting in Los Angeles, it's hard enough to sit there and and find a doctor that you know has got. And this is unfair, I know, but that that's got um, a number of good critiques. Um, and uh, so if you're in a foreign country where you don't speak the language, you don't know where to look, um, and you're feeling ill and you, you know, you're very apprehensive, it, it must be incredibly reassuring to be able to get onto an American doctor who's in, in America who says, okay, let's go through the symptoms, let's go through that. Now, this is where you should go because I know these people know um, uh the treatment and they're good and they're reliable and it would give you so much um, reassurance well we we think so we honestly think that we have have a service that we're going to be able to help a lot of folks um, you know, people nearest and dearest to us, our fellow countrymen, while yeah. they're they're in their most vulnerable, you know, position away from the protection of the United States, and uh, we think we can do a lot of good. And eight and a half million people that seek medical care either when they're away or immediately on their return that's one hell of a lot of people isn't it it sure is it sure is you know the statistics that we have from uh, 2013 say that eight percent of the american travelers uh, sought medical care acutely while they were abroad um, and 12 percent actually sought care immediately upon returning so yeah, it's a, it's a large number of folks that we're going to be able to help directly. Um, even above and beyond that, are people who, 
you know, maybe lost their medicine yeah. over through the security checkpoints. And maybe they didn't even go see a doctor, but they went without the thyroid medicine for a while or their diabetes medicine for a while, which they shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, there's all kinds of ways we can help people. So let's say I'm, I'm overseas and I, um, I'm a diabetic and I've run out of pills. And uh, it's a month before I get back to the U.S., what do I do? Same procedure. I contact Apogee and I say, I'm out of pills. What? Where do you go from there? Well, then if, if they're in one of those main countries that, that we will have uh, local prescription support, uh, we'll get that doctor on the line um, and that doctor will prescribe the medicine at the pharmacy near where the patient is. If not, we're able to get that medicine in most cases to that patient in two days. So people, people are a little apprehensive overseas in a lot of these countries about their um, about their pharmaceuticals. We read so much and hear so much about um, counterfeit pharmaceuticals. How do you guarantee that um, uh, when somebody calls you that they're going to get the genuine article? Well, and that that is an issue. Um, you know, most uh, of the of the places where we're sending medicines. Uh, um, most of the, I mean, I mean to say that most of the places where people will need us to mail them prescriptions are those places you're describing, right. um, with with one exception, perhaps Mexico, um, where uh, you know we do plan on having a doctor able to prescribe medicines there, um, but we are able to uh, send medicines from the manufacturers that are not expired, which is the biggest issue with medicines overseas. Okay. Yep, yep. Uh, they is they a, purchased them. Is that a bigger ahead. issue than counterfeit? Well, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you should not keep any prescription medicines for greater than six months. Um, you know, and, and usually, if you're if you've been prescribed a medicine for a given time and, and you stop taking it, you should probably throw it away. If your doctor told you not to take it anymore, you shouldn't hold on to it. But you know, uh, I'm not gonna. I don't want to disparage anyone, but you can see the market forces where someone would be sitting on top of a bunch of medicine that's going to expire in a month or two, and would be give someone a cheaper deal in a foreign country and and send it all out um, before it expires. And who knows how long that man's going to hang on to it before he puts it in his on his pharmacy shelf. Yeah. Um, so you know what what happens when medicine expires is it becomes less less metabolically active so you could be taking pills that are doing nothing in a worst case scenario you could be taking medicine that has has metamorphosized into something that's harmful um you know reassuring so you know in in any situation where we're concerned about that we do have the option to like i said send directly from the international pharmacy out of san francisco which has to comply with all of the current Date um, and efficacy laws of the United States, just like getting it from any other pharmacy here, and it will be effective as warranted. Okay, so you've got um, the the concepts um, set up and proven. The um, you have everything in place, pretty much to go. Um, are you looking for funding to finance Apogee.care? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So um, once you get funding, are you looking for funding from anybody in particular? You don't want do you, you're not um, sort of restricting it to the travel industry or the med farm medical industry, or so anybody who's got green that's um, that's 
do you want somebody who's going to participate in the business or do you want somebody that's um, um, going to be a silent partner? Well, you know, I... I think as a as a we've got four four uh, controlling interest partners in this company, and as a group, we would really like some uh, one or a limited number of people who were interested in participating, who had the same kind of vision that we do with regards to taking this idea, which we consider to be very good, and and making it grow into a, a large you know multinational corporation. Because there's more there's more than just Apogee.care. We can have Apogee.Brazil.care, Apogee.France.care, Apogee. Germany that care and we can be making this difference for everybody in the world um, we would we would enjoy that um, now I won't I'm not going to pretend that I'm a you know a, a extremely knowledgeable business person I've got strengths in other areas but I do have very very strong advisors and I generally take their advice on, on who's going to be putting money into Apogee okay it's, it, it's actually a very scalable concept isn't it I mean it, yes, it's something it that you can do any country in the world, and you can set it up very quickly because once you have the um, um, all the processes in place in the United States, uh, pretty much you can transfer that anywhere because it's it's um, it's it's above regulations, it's above all of that, um, and and you you know so having apogee.care.russia or wherever is is relatively easy, isn't it? It is, um, and two, you know, one of the advantages of being in the United States um, is that we have physicians um, who are native speakers, licensed in those countries to practice, who are actually in the United States, either trying to yep. get uh, an American license to practice or already have one. Um, and you know, we foresee basically keeping the entire uh, infrastructure and uh, support staff, as along with the the medical staff, uh, generally here in the United States. Um, obviously, we're going to have boots on the ground in the country out there for uh, administrative purposes with regards to the legal requirements and um, and things of that nature but we can keep most of it uh, here which which centralizes it and makes it a lot cheaper to, to keep going when, when we expand to other countries yeah there is an amazing diversity of, um, of people here and qualified people here isn't there They're probably unlike anywhere else in the world I, I think so I think so so what are your what are your goals for Apogee concerning expansion and growth? Um, firstly, in terms of geography, is that the first step? Expand geographically. I think so because you know, Bob. I, I don't know why other people haven't done this yet, but I think it's coming. And I think that, you know, I'm looking at it as a land grab right now. We want to get out there, we want to make a difference, and we want to get big fast to basically impede you know, uh, competition as much as we can. Yeah, build um, a and a big part yep. of that, that's right. Uh, make it, make, our, uh, make our, our travel partnerships with the big online travel agencies and the majority of the airlines. Um, and, you know, try to, try to keep the level of care and the, and the standard that we want to achieve ours. Um, and not be forced to, to meet someone else's demands, but be, be the dominating force in the market. And part of that is going to be uh, growing, reaching the largest percentage of market that we can, um, both here in the United States pre-travel and uh, in the travel destination 
times post-travel for the tourists and the business travelers, as well as in creating those other apogees I mentioned earlier in the other countries where people travel a lot and deserve the same benefits that I'm giving to the United States citizens when they're sick in other countries. Yeah, when you when you actually do the numbers, I just scribble down a few numbers on the back of the pad here. This could be a for an investor. Now, I'm not sure of the uh, of the amount of investment required or the percentages required, and I'm not going to go into that at the minute. But irrespective, just looking at the numbers on the back of a pad, unless I've misplaced some decimal points, the potential is just absolutely enormous. Well, and, and we think so. You know, when we first, when I first came up with this idea, I, I brought uh, a, a dear lady into it right away who was my conduit into the travel industry. Uh, her name is Charlene DeVay, and she's been involved in executive level travel for the last uh, 25 years. Um, and so I knew she was the lady I wanted to get started with. And we just started kicking around ideas, and we just saw so many applications that we could dive right into. The business uh, travelers, the corporations, the people who get sick already, the people who want the, the security of pre-travel, the people who yeah. want a pre-travel visit without spending time to go to their doctor. The airlines, the, the airlines are now expanding to video-capable Wi-Fi. It's every sure. year they get further and further along, and we expect in two years that we're going to be able to address their needs, maybe not even just the emergencies. One out of 604 airlines has a medical emergency that they consult via radio, an emergency room in the United States while they're traveling, while they're flying, but, uh, or wherever they are. But mm. even if someone just has a question, they're feeling airsick, they don't know why their baby's crying, all kinds of stuff we can help them while they're in the skies. That's fantastic. David, I think it's a, an incredible idea. I just absolutely love it. When is Apogee likely to start, apogee.care? When do you think it, you'll be kicking off in the next Well, four, I can, you can never... You, um, that's our goal. You know, you can never predict exactly how these things are going, but I can say that once we have received the adequate funding, we're ready to launch within six to eight weeks. Fantastic. David, thanks very much for joining me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. I really appreciate it. Uh, Bobby, now, if my you'd, pleasure. And if you'd like to find out more about Apogee.care, that's A-P-O-G-E dot care, C-A-R-E. Contact me here at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and I will refer your inquiry directly on to David, who's probably slumming it in Honolulu, lying on the beach, <laughs> drinking margaritas... Uh. Well, women in tiny little bikinis fanning him. God, I'm envious. I'll David. never say. <laughs> Thanks for speaking <laughs> with me. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show right after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel, the number one global business radio show for entrepreneurs. This show's all about entrepreneurs, and this week we heard about a 14-year-old Korean who earns $1,500 a night 
eating meals from different restaurants in front of a webcam. So he goes in, orders, sets up his webcam, orders the food, he smells it, he comments on its appearance, and then proceeds to eat it and comments on its taste, and hundreds of thousands of viewers tune in. <laughs> this phenomena is called mukbang, M-U-K-B-A-N-G. I don't know. I don't know about you, but anything that can make $500,000 a year while you sit there and eat great food has got to be a bloody good idea. So 1500 bucks a night for sitting there and having thousands of people tune in to watch you eat your food. It's kind of weird, but the guy's making a lot of money. Drunk driving crashes in America kill more than 10,000 people a year, which is about 30 people every day. Now, 13-year-old Krishna Reddy, has invented a device that can tell when a driver has consumed alcohol or used other drugs, depending on how dilated his or her pupils are. Reddy's competing in the 3M Young Scientist Challenge for a $25,000 prize. That sounds like a pretty good reward. And he's um, created a device that um, studies your pupil dilation. And apparently it's far better than the naked eye at detecting a drunk or an impaired driver. And the hope is that this device could detect when a driver's reflexes are impaired and ultimately cut down lethal traffic actions. Good on you, Krishna. I hope it wins. It's a great idea. And anything that can reduce the 10,000 deaths a year is um, much needed. 3D printing company make a box. We're always talking about 3D printing on this on this program because it's a, an unbelievable invention. And uh, MakerBot was predicted to take 3D printing to the masses, and it's laying off 20% of its staff for the second time in six months. You know they set a pretty ambitious goal, and they've been struggling to meet that because of broader challenges in the. In the industry, you know, it's been off the off the boil stage now for a couple of years, and uh, it could be another five to ten years before three D printing is really commonplace. So, then um, it's usually at that point that companies in the space typical either establish their permanence or they fail. After the last round of layoffs, the company pivoted to focus on the education market. They shut down its three retail stores in New York, Boston, and Connecticut. And now about 5,000 schools across the U.S. have MakerBot printers. The company's also moving its research and development staff to its headquarters in downtown Brooklyn so that the company can be more efficient. The process of 3D printing has come a long way. And printing in different materials to create parts and to repair human bodies demonstrates that this technology is limited only by the limits of our imagination. I mean, some of the things that are happening are amazing. Um, it's come from a novelty item to a serious engineering tool, for example, making parts for jet engines. And it's not just printing in metal, but um, it's also creating new ribs for a man with cancer, with body so tissue itself being recrafted to create new parts for the body. Um, it's a great complement to the field of regenerative medicine where damaged tissues or organs are being repaired through stem cell therapy. So it's quite amazing. Last year in a process using stem cells, a Polish firefighter became the first person to recover sensory and motor function 
after the complete severing of his spinal cord. And this month, the team of scientists announced a 3D printing guide which helps regrow complex nerves after injury. The study showed how researchers used a combination of 3D imaging and 3D printing to create a silicon guide implanted with biochemical cues to help nerve regeneration. Titanium hip joints are being printed 3D and uh, being made to order for individuals. A precise fit and therefore they're much better and um, durable than the originals. So there's all sorts of body parts and organs that are being printed with 3D printers. So the potential for 3D printing is massive. Maybe the question is whether MakerBot, after doing the hard yards and pioneering the technology, will be there at the end to enjoy the fruits of their labours. It's always difficult to be first in the market. Now make sure you subscribe to my monthly newsletter and the radio show summary, which is sent out to 16,000 business executives in over 60 countries every month. Subscribe by simply going to bobpritchard.com. And if you're not a member of the American Institute for Sales, Marketing and Management yet, and you're serious about improving your skill level, your status and your network, you should join today. Go to AISMM and join now. Thank you for joining us on today's show. We look forward to you joining us again next week. In the meanwhile, remember, if you're not really pushing the envelope and if you are not living right on the edge, then you're taking up way too much space. Get out of the way. Let somebody who wants to do something go through. And it's easier and much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to your company again next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.